Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Don Cardenas, and today is one of the blind spot episodes where I go and take a deep dive into a particular artist's work that I may be less familiar or completely unfamiliar with. And today I am taking a deep dive into Dio with Black Sabbath. Now I'm familiar with Dio. Who who isn't? Who isn't into metal? You know, I you know I love a lot of the Dio solo stuff. Um, I'm not so up on or familiar with his elf days, but his Sabbath stuff has never really resonated with me whenever I did try to listen to it. When it comes to Black Sabbath, I'm very much an Aussie guy. It's not to dismiss Dio in any way, shape or form because he's an ama- you know, he was an amazing talent and it's just, you know, Sabbath, Aussie Sabbath was my Sabbath. And I, I think we all kind of have that because there's people who think Dio Sabbath is their Sabbath and that's perfectly fine uh both bands you know had both eras of the bands had these you know really successful albums and these really iconic songs and air you know mini eras and stuff like that so this is about me you know going back and making sure i give dio his his dues his respect uh and just you know see if my tastes have changed in the past you know 20 years or so from when i first heard dio sabbath now i know it's you know I know the band is Black Sabbath, of course, uh, and I call it Dio Sabbath because that's kind of the moniker given for that era. Whenever he was, you know, their band, they're in their band because he, uh, you know, left for a little bit and then came back. So yeah, I'm just gonna call it Dio Sabbath, and it's no dismissive term. It's just to signify the differences between Ozzy Sabbath, Black Sabbath, you know, and Dio Sabbath. Also within this episode, uh, there will be short breaks where we're going to hear from some former guests and friends of mine that are fans of Theo Sabbath and have been for a long time. And I asked them to go and record by themselves just a quick little snippet of what their favorite album was and why it's their favorite album and all that. And coincidentally enough, everyone I asked picked a different album. So like every album is covered. So there's no repeats on that, which I think was pretty cool. All right. So let's dive in. Dio, Black Sabbath. So the first album by this new lineup was Heaven and Hell. Uh, it really, to me, it showed like a huge shift overall into this uh, overall sound of Black Sabbath. Because uh, again, as coming from Ozzy, you know, uh, the two very different singers. Uh, but with uh, Dio as a new vocalist, uh, Iommi has been stated to say he was given to, to paraphrase a bit, a like a larger playground to use musically. Because as much as of an uh, Ozzy fan as I am, I can admit that Dio is, you know, a much more technically sound and skilled singer. Ozzy, you know, would more along lines sing the guitar riff and it worked. I loved it. I love it. But, you know, Dio is a different singer, a different animal altogether. So naturally that would open up Tony to kind of think a little bit differently. And listening back, I, I think it did lead to a bit more openness with some of the songs. Uh, though, you know, Neon Nights, the opener, comes in with a riff that would, you know, perfectly perfectly Sabbath-sounding riff. Um, but then once Dio starts with the lyrics and the singing, it really becomes something different altogether. I think the largest shift aside from the obvious vocalist change is that Geezer Butler was no longer the sole lyricist in the band. Uh, I think that shift is probably the most drawing for me. 
Dio's lyrics aren't like a total 180 from before, but there's there's enough there to make like an even even bigger change to the overall sound and kind of separate themselves a bit more from the Ozzy era, which I guess is another aspect of this changes how I receive the album. Also, the production of the album is very much of its time. <laughs> uh, not that the Sabbath albums were not very much of their time. I think, to be honest, with the exception of their first album, uh, they all sound very when they were recorded, which is a hard thing for a band to escape, of course, because, you know, it, you can't escape the time you're recording in or the production methods or the sounds you capture within. But something about that first album, Black Sabbath, just, you know, I don't know if they continue to record live together in the room, but I'm pretty sure I remember that the original album was. And I think that's just something that adds to the timelessness of it. Though, aside from that, you know, skill-wise, skill musically, technically, everyone on the band's firing on a real high level. The title track, Heaven and Hell, I think is the high point of the album. Uh, on this track, I think the band like really meshed. Like, this is where like it all came together for this brief moment. Uh, it contains the musical aspects of Sabbath that I love, with some really great lyrics and performance from Dio. Uh, a few of the other tracks stuck out for me, though. I mean, while it mentioned that you know I only felt more musically free and open with Dio, most of this album's instrumentals are definitely Ozzy era. Uh, and I have to say, you know, I don't like dismissing anything, but I think "Walk Away" is probably one of the uh, least favorable Sabbath songs I have ever heard. Though overall, I can say this was a solid effort with a couple great songs. I don't think they really meshed together fully, uh, but they could definitely deliver on their individual performances. And I see, I see sparks of why people enjoyed this so much. Now that you've heard my perspective, let's go to friend and former guest Dave Jordan as he explains why he loves Heaven and Hell. Okay, so I'm going to try and do this without rambling on for too long. And I want to be clear when I say this, that I do love most of the Aussie Black Sabbath records. It's hard to argue with the heights that a lot of those uh, really reach. But Heaven and Hell is my favorite Black Sabbath record. Um, I think by their own admission, by the end of their run with Ozzy, uh, they'd gotten pretty stale. I mean, obviously their last two records with him were pretty weak. I, I think most people wouldn't really argue otherwise. Um, interpersonally, they weren't really getting along. And they were just kind of in this holding pattern. And I think by Iomi's own admission, they were pretty close to breaking up at that point. And uh, then Dio just comes in. They hire him to be the singer, and he just reinvigorates the band. Like, with some people, some groups of people, you can just tell when they really click, and they bring out the best in each other. 
And I think that's what happened with Dio is he came in and all of a sudden everybody else brought, started to bring their A game and it started to feel really fresh. Um, I think what's typically considered the classic Black Sabbath stuff, you know, um, certainly the first four or five records, to me at least, feels like three guys that are clicking and then Ozzy just coming in later and singing over it. Um, Ozzy obviously has this iconic voice and, and, you know, he's incredibly important. But he's not a great singer. He just kind of sings the riffs. He doesn't have a ton of range. And it, uh, it's, it's even rumored that he didn't even write a lot of his lyrics. So for me, those early Black Sabbath records, even though they have some great songs, to me it feels like a really good band who then brings in a singer later and uh, he just kind of gets the job done. Whereas Dio was an actual musician. He, you know, played bass in Elf, and he was a songwriter, and he was an actual writer. So he came in to the, stu the studio with Black Sabbath, and he had input. He had ideas. And um, pretty sure Iomi said in an interview once that, like, where Ozzy would sing the riff, Dio would sing over the riff. So he would sing on top of the riffs and... and correspond with the chords and across the melodies and not just mimicking the guitar riff like Ozzy did a lot. He had range and actual ability. And I think in Heaven and Hell, you can really feel his influence on the band, and it feels like a band that's inspired again. To me, at least. Um, and on top of that, certainly in the mid-70s when they were getting really into drugs there was a psychedelic feel to a lot of the black sabbath stuff on volume four certainly um some of the stuff on sabbath bloody sabbath and that stuff is good but it feels a bit more like a hippie band and certainly lends more to them being considered you know the the progenitors of uh, of stoner rock you know um whereas like once Dio comes into the band, it actually starts to feel like more epic and more majestic and uh, a bit more like gothic, um, which uh, I really respond to. Um, and uh, I think Heaven and Hell, you know, from the very beginning, Neon Knights, you can just tell that this band is like, they're just doing it. Um, Plus, Heaven and Hell is an all-time classic song. I mean, Children of the Sea, it's just a great record. I don't think there's uh, much else to say about that. Okay, so the second album from the Dio Sabbath era is Mob Rules. Now, out the gate, I enjoy this album a lot more than Heaven and Hell. Uh, Turn Up the Night is a great opener. It sounds like the Sabbath I love with some new elements tossed in that work very well. I mean, Tony's like legit shredding all over the place now. Um, Voodoo, The Sign of the Southern Cross, Slipping Away, all great tracks. Uh, it's really showcasing how much more cohesive the band is as a whole. Not all the tracks work for me, but nothing really overstays its welcome. And at 40 minutes, this album is like pound for pound, I think far better than Heaven and Hell. 
I have no doubt the early bridge in falling off the edge of the world it starts about one thirty. It that launched probably you know hundreds of doom metal bands. Um, the track E fifty one fifty is certainly no basically, but it serves as a nice transition between the sign of the Southern Cross and the title track. Uh, a lot can be said about the title track Mob Rules. It's it is one of the first. Dio Sabbath tracks I ever heard and I did like it when I first heard it um but I think it's so good it like made a promise <laughs> to me that uh when I went back and tried to listen to a bunch of the other stuff it just was not Mob Rules it was not this extreme high point this legendary iconic song so that kind of probably spoiled me <laughs> on it for a while uh but it it this song is it's one of those songs that like all metalheads need to ingest into their influence pool for sure. Uh like the title track of Heaven and Hell, it it showcases what this new formation is capable of, but like in a massively terrific fashion. It is easily my favorite track on the album. It is probably my favorite Dio Sabbath track, period. I mean, it's hard not to love that riff. It really is. So so now I really don't have a lot more to say about this album. Like it's just really good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think if I were to tell someone or try to get someone into this era of Black Sabbath, this is the album I would give. I think because it sounds enough like old Black Sabbath, but it's got enough new stuff, new elements, um, just different directions they go into where it's not Oh, Ozzy, you know, oh, that Ozzy's old band with a different singer. I think, uh, yeah, I would definitely give this album to someone who I want to get into this band. So that's all I have to say about this album, but former guest and friend Crank, uh, he's got a bit more to say about it because this is the one he chose. So let's listen to why Crank loves Mob Rules. Hi, this is Crank. I letter comics and I'm here to talk to you about Mob Rules. Okay, so this was the second Sabbath album with Dio and it was also the second album produced by Martin Birch, who's worked with a ton of other people too. So first thing I want to talk about is the sound. Uh, as opposed to Heaven and Hell, uh, this has a much more aggressive tone to it, and uh, a lot more mids, and the bass is more in your face. And uh, reading uh, interviews from the time, you know, apparently they were kind of hunting around for a sound or something. They it, they said they changed up the way they were working on stuff, so that you know they hadn't really been able to uh, kind of nail down what they were doing. I guess the first time around. Um, but I'm guessing too that a lot of the sound on this album has to do with Martin Birch working on. Iron Maiden's Killers album at the time, which was also a very, that was back when Maiden was very punky. So they had a much more kind of raw sound to them. And I, I think that shows in this. Additionally, uh, due to, again, I, you know, I get this from interviews from the time and stuff, uh, Bill Ward had left partially because he was drinking too much and 
uh, partially because he just wasn't happy not working with Ozzy, which is a shame because, you know, Bill Ward's an awesome drummer. But if they were going to get somebody to replace him, Vinny Apicia, and I have no idea if I'm saying that name correctly, uh, Apicia, Apicia? Anyway, if they were going to pick up another drummer to follow up Bill Ward, he is rock solid. Great choice. Because he's right there in the pocket the whole time. He's got a similar style to Ward's. Well, at least on this album he does. And um, it was just a great, in my mind, a great fit for it. Um, and then, of course, you know, he later on went off with Dio to work on Dio's solo album stuff uh, with Jimmy Bain and um, Vivian Campbell uh, for the first album. And, uh, but yeah, anyway, so, you know, you got this great combination of, well, it's, you know, two new people in the band, half the band's new, newish, I guess. Um, and, but the sound's still overwhelmingly Sabbath. I mean, it still sounds like Sabbath. And, you know, but just bigger now, which is really great. So, um, yeah, anyway. And I think, material-wise, this really holds up against Heaven and Hell, because it's, it's got a lot of the same strong songwriting to it. And it's uh, still got catchy tunes. I mean, yeah, Neon Nights is a great opener, but so is Turn Up the Night, which is weird, because they're both night. So, you know, you got that. And then you got, like, you know, Sign of the Southern Cross, which is just an awesome song, anyway. And then the title track, Mob Rules. So overall, I think this is, you know, a really strong, solid album. Um, and it's a great outing. And I'm not familiar with The Humanizer, which came later. I mean, that was back in the 90s, I guess. Uh, that was the next time Dio would work with him. And then he worked with the lineup again for the Heaven and Hell band, which wasn't Sabbath, but, you know. Uh, but I'm not really familiar with those, so it's, it's Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules for me, as far as the Dio Sabbath albums go. Uh, but if you're looking for something that's very similar to the Dio sound, uh, try Eternal Idol from 87, I think, because it's Tony Martin singing, but it's very Dio-esque. But yeah, check out Mob Rules. It rules. Okay, so after Mob Rules, Dio actually left and had his you know, very successful solo career. and Or you know, not so much left, but more accurately, he was not asked to return or did not return to Sabbath. Um, but after some time, he returned in 1992 for Dehumanizer. <laughs> Sabbath had a very w- weird <laughs> rest of the 80s. Um, in short, I think it was clear the band as a whole was over Sabbath at that time, not to disparage the work done during those albums or the people involved, but multiple new members and sounds led to some really unsuccessful efforts that would probably have been better received as new groups instead of being branded Black Sabbath. Though I understand why they probably were, because even though musically it'd be received better if it was a new band, financially, it was probably a much smarter move to just brand it Black Sabbath. Um, I could go into the details of all that more, but that's not why we're here today. So all that said, this was actually the first full album with Dio and Sabbath that I ever heard. Uh, <laughs> funny story, I was in a band in the early 2000s, and our one day we came to band practice, we would practice at our drummer's house, and there was a stack, like a literal stack of Dehumanizer CDs. And I'm like, what's what's going on here? (laughs) And I think it was, uh, he mentioned he got it from, I think a family member, uh, possibly an uncle. It's always an uncle, isn't it? Um, I think it was one of those fell off the truck situations, but you know, I grabbed a copy. uh, I put it in my CD player and I was very unhappy. (laughs) So you see, it, it, it's taken a while for me to really appreciate Dio's voice and the vocal style he uses. Um, 
I was very much middle of the road in terms of vocal styles, like what I would appreciate. I would always, I think I would prefer more a Hetfield-esque range <laughs> type singer or someone a little more, a uh, little more baritone sounding and having Dio come in <laughs> like that just, it just was not, it was not what my ears were accustomed to at the time. Uh, but now, you know, being much older, that style is something I can very much appreciate and enjoy. And I'm glad because that's opened up so much more music for me to listen to and all that. So going back to this album, I was kind of curious, like, oh, I wonder, <laughs> I, I wonder how this is going to go. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, the opener, Computer God, has this like thunderous riff that like any metal band today would love to write, would love to have that in their arsenal. The production is excellent. It's very modern sounding still, um, despite being, you know, made in 1992, probably recorded in 90 or 91. And there are some definite 80s influences holding over, like, like, you know, heavily affected acoustic guitar passages or that swish sound, you know, synth sound. But it was a really solid album. Uh, nothing feels like filler. And again, everyone's just playing fantastically. I can't say this is a better album than Mob Rules. I and Buried Alive are high points. But as a whole, it still doesn't quite measure up to the promise Mob Rules was laying out. Uh, that could be said to the time spent in between or, you know, any type of general feelings people had about writing for the band or being in the band. But, you know, for a third effort from, from a band, you know, typically when bands have albums, their first albums usually the, the most well-received or the most beloved by a lot of people because that's, you know, They've had their lifetime to write those songs, though with this era of Sabbath, that's not the case. But, you know, that's just kind of like it's the introduction to the thing. And then the second albums are typically more often than not slight letdowns. Um, and then by the time they get to the third album, it's either, you know, people are like, oh, wow, they're back to form or they're, you know, at a whole new level. Or it's like, wow, they're really sinking fast. Um, obviously... You know, Dio didn't start Black Sabbath as a new band with Heaven and Hell. So they kind of came out the gate for me. Like, okay. And then, wow. And now this is like, all right. So, you know, <laughs> I, you know I'm sure you love my descriptors of my, uh, you know, super descriptive descriptors for this. But it's just the general feeling of like, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to not ever listen to this album again but it's far you know it's gonna be pretty far down the list but again it's not to disparage the band not to disparage the music it's just looking at the legacy of sabbath and a whole i still can't get the high points of you know what they've done before with dio and what they've done before with ozzy and you know i don't want to keep mentioning ozzy's sabbath in this but i will admit like <laughs> After the first three albums of Ozzy Sabbath, like, yeah, they're, they're, it was rapidly diminishing returns. There's a lot of stuff I don't, I don't dig on there. But, you know, there's such tremendous highs that, you know, you can't help but measure everything up, else up against that. But again, that said, Dehumanizer, it's, it's a good album. It's, it's really solid. It's, 
uh, not anything I think that diminishes the legacy of Black Sabbath or anything like that. good solid feeling about this but former guest and friend brian latendry he loves this album and here he is to tell you why hey everybody this is brian latendry here and don recently asked me to name my favorite dio black sabbath album and my immediate response was going to be just to text back to him of course heaven and hell but i decided to go back and listen to all of the dio sabbath albums and the Devil You Know, the Heaven and Hell album as well. And I think after revisiting all of them, my favorite one, the one that has risen to the top of all of those, is Dehumanizer. And I really believe that it's because of all of the Dio-led Sabbath albums, this one is the most consistent. Heaven and Hell, I think, is a knee-jerk reaction of like, yeah, obviously it's got to be Heaven and Hell, because that one song in particular is so good that it just immediately makes that album iconic and makes it sort of the one on the tip of your tongue whenever you think about Dio in Black Sabbath. But man, going back and listening to Dehumanizer, it is so consistently heavy from top to bottom and just more... It is like... It's probably the best representation of what I love most about Black Sabbath's heaviest sound, and then what I expect from Ronnie James Dio as a frontman. Those two things together. I mean, if you listen to Dio's voice on this album, it's more, it's angrier. It's more gravelly. Like, it's more, granted, it's years later, obviously, that they went back and did this one, but there's, the whole album just sounds more sinister, more angry. I mean, just... Uh, the so- and some of the songs in this album, I would argue, are right up there with Heaven and Hell as some of the best songs ever. After all, Letters from Earth is really good. Sins of the Father, Time Machine. I mean, they're, that's the thing about this album. They're all really good. And, and Vinny Apice, to me, I mean, that, that, this is probably blasphemy, but him, him uh, you know, Bill Ward being on Heaven and Hell and Vinny Apice being on this album, to me, I, I just... Vinny Apice is one of my favorite drummers of all time. The weight with which he plays makes songs heavier to me. And I talk about that a lot whenever I talk about Dio, but that's really, in this album, just feels really heavy from top to bottom. And the songs, to me, are more consistent, even um, because I also think that Heaven and Hell, uh, the Devil You Know album, is really heavy as well, but not as consistent as this album. So again, just to, to kind of bring it all home for me, Dehumanizer, the heaviest and the most consistent of the Dio-led Sabbath albums. Okay, so now normally that would it, that would be it. That's the end of Dio Sabbath. But they reunited in the late 2000s to record "The Devil You Know" under the moniker Heaven and Hell. 
And to me, I think this is, it was obviously a legal issue. They couldn't use Black Sabbath. I think at that time, Ozzy and Tony both owned the rights to Black Sabbath, but giving Dio all the respect in the world and this album all the respect in the world, to me, this is a Black Sabbath album. In terms of what I think about it, this is the album I wanted after Mob Rules. This record is like a doctorate level course in writing heavy riffs. Uh, the tracks Fear, Follow the Tears, Breaking in the Heaven. Th- those riffs are just monsters, man. Just like, and if you, you know, played those riffs for me, I would assume this is a track that came out last week. It's just ridiculously heavy. Hands down, this is my favorite effort from this lineup. I think it's the perfect mesh of what Sabbath sounded like and the things I enjoyed about that, but with Dio being allowed to be Dio on top of that. I can say there's a bit more vocal melodies that follow the riff that kind of carry that Ozzy vocal legacy in a bit, and it's a Sabbath hallmark in my opinion, and the lyrics and the just instrumentals are just huge, big, ominous, dark overtones, and you know, even my least favorite tracks, Rock and Roll Angel and Turn of the Screw, like they're not bad. They're just like my least favorite, <laughs> you know? They sound amazing. Now, I know I said Mob Rules would be the track I would give, the album I would give to somebody getting into this band, and I still stand by that. Uh, but for me, and I know my taste, my, my particular taste in metal, um, this album just, it does it. it. It's right up my alley. I have a hard time picking a favorite track off of this album. You know, Fear, Bible Black, Double the Pain, uh, Eating the Cannibals, Breaking into Heaven. Like, it's all just great. And it is a tragedy that, you know, it wasn't very long after this that Dio passed. And we never got a second Heaven and Hell album because I think I think we would have gotten that. I think we would have definitely seen these guys return and put out another amazing album and just one more one more you know strike into the heart of metal fans that you know Dio's passing is is doing (laughs) so yeah but this album yeah uh, no one I don't have any of the guests talking about how much they love this album because I love this album and I cannot if you're into modern metal you know if you're into old Black Sabbath like this and you've never tried the Dio Sabbath you know give this one a shot then um because if you know if mob rules does not do it for you then i would immediately follow up with this one uh it just it's just stellar it's masters of their form just showing you how it's done so yeah heaven and hell the w no it's black sabbath black sabbath all the way
I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a lot of fun doing the research and recording it and doing all that. I want to thank my guests, Dave Jordan, Crank, and Brian Latendry for so generously taking time out of their days and recording their thoughts on the album. Uh, I love doing these blind spot episodes. I've only done two, but I love the idea and I love, you know, just going and discovering things. So if you have a, a, a band or a particular piece of work, you know, comic wise that you think I should take a deep dive into that I might not be familiar with, please send an email to comicscoffeemetal at gmail.com or hit me up at Twitter at Don Cardenas Art. And yeah, let me know. Uh, I'm, I'm always down to check. I have a list of bands and, and works to get into, but you know, if you guys want to hear something in particular, let's do it. Just be warned that if you suggest it and I pick it, you're going to have to tell me why you love it too, and it's going to be on the show. All right. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Mm-hmm.